Our scripture reading this evening is uh, for the sermon is from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. This is the word of the Lord, beginning here at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask God to be with us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we turn to you now uh, this night for your illumination of your spirit. We thank you for your word the infallible word, the inspired word, the inerrant word. And we thank you, O God, that you have given it of your spirit. He indeed is our teacher. And so, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts. We pray as well that, Lord, we would have one reason, one reason alone to be here this evening and to be here this evening in your word. And that is to give you glory and honor. So, Lord, may your majesty be here at hand. And so be our help and guide us, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why is it, why is it that the Lord indeed leads his children, guides his children in such a way that we do fall into hardships? Why is it that those hardships often are temptations, that indeed They may be temptations that are constant, perpetual, always around us. Or they may be temptations, as we say, in kind of a happenstance way. Uh, Something that we weren't expecting. Something that we say sometimes, it caught me off guard. But why the grievous issues? Why the grievous hardships that indeed include temptations of all kinds and certainly temptations where we are lured away with our own enticement to fall into sin. Well, it's fascinating. One writer was able to help us pinpoint something about that question. Why the hardships? Why are his own children, God's own children, faced with such things? In the Westminster Confession of Faith, if you go back to the chapter on the providence of God, the providence of God, there is a paragraph there in that section in the Westminster Confession of Faith And it's almost a perfect answer to this question. Why the hardships? Why the temptations? Uh, Why the consequences of our sin? Listen to this under God's providence. The most wise, righteous, 
gracious God doth oftentimes leave for a season his own children to manifold temptations and the corruption of their own hearts. Again, the writers go on to chastise them for their former sins or to discover unto them the hidden strength of corruption and deceitfulness of their own hearts. Here's another reason that they may be humbled. Here's another reason to raise them up to more close and constant dependence for their support upon himself. And then finally, to make them more watchful. There you go. Ephesians 6, to make them more watchful against all future occasions of sin. And then it concludes, and for sundry other just and holy ends. Now, that's something you can go to lunch on. That's to say, that's my way of saying, uh, you know, digest that, work on that, work that over in your heart and mind. Lord, why the hardships? Why the hardships about temptations? Why the hardships that, in fact, might... Lure me away. In my own sin, I'm, I'm enticed. That's what James tells us. I'm enticed to fall into sin. His own children have manifold temptations. Don't have in your mind that God and the devil are some kind of equal duality of power. and authority. That is not the case. The devil is a creature, a created being, a fallen angel. But the Lord leads his children. The Lord guides his children with the temptations that are all around us, either within or without. And he does it for a season. He does it for a time. He has these purposes, as we've read here. And the Apostle Paul is driving home more of these kinds of lessons in Ephesians 6. Look at verse 11. Stand. There it is. Stand against the schemes of the devil. We're thinking about temptations. We're thinking about allurements. Here we are with Paul's own words. We're thinking about the schemes of the devil. The word devil means slanderer or accuser. As a slanderer, he aims to get you off the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. He slanders Christ. He demeans Christ. He wants you to doubt Christ. He wants you to begin to have meditations that are false about Christ. Speak words that are false about Christ. He wants to get you off base concerning the gospel. The gospel of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then in verse 12, look at verse 12. There are these cosmic powers over this present darkness, these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. They are fallen angels who what? They carry out the work of Satan himself. It is Satan the liar. It is Satan the deceiver. And certainly as a way of introducing things here this evening, we sometimes think that that temptation is all about my strength. But how does Paul open this whole exhortation? Be strong in the strength of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ is our strong Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came into this world to bind the strong man. And so we're to be strong in the Lord. How do we do that? A couple of lessons tonight. A couple of lessons. When you start thinking about being faced with temptations, faced with allurements, faced with enticements, number one, consider the territory where the battles are fought. Number two, Consider the resources where you are well supplied. This first one, consider the territory where the battles are fought. Look at verse 10, the opening word, the word finally. 
You know, we believe that these are the words of God. <laughs> the, this, this word finally, this word so then, this word con- consequently, this word furthermore, all the same word there, is inspired of God. Paul the Apostle begins this lesson on standing your ground, standing strong in the Lord, being in the strength of his might, later on taking up the armor of God and to stand. He begins with the word finally. It's like consequently. So then this word finally is linking us back to what he has already taught on. And he's talking about the territory, the field that is before us. Where is the battle being waged? It's this territory where he says, do you recall what I've just told you? When he says the word finally, he's, gonna, he's linking us back into what he's already taught in chapter 4 and chapter 5. And just a quick survey about things. What's this territory like? Like, look at ver, uh, chapter 4 at verse 17. Verse 17. Run your eyes back over there. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. He's saying, do not live as unbelievers do. He is starting these practical precepts, these practical provisions, practical scenarios that he wants the readers of Ephesians here to know about. And this is the field. This is the territory where the walk is to be walked, where the Christian life is to be lived out. And he says, first of all, don't live as unbelievers live. And that's to say, be mindful of unbelief around you. This is the territory. He then moves on through chapter 4, and you know, you know some of these themes. I believe, I believe you know some of these themes. He talks about lying. He talks about putting off falsehoods. He talks about putting on the truth. He talks about um, the matter of anger. He takes up that subject, that subject of anger. Uh, remember he says, don't give the devil a foothold. That fits right in nicely with be strong in the Lord. And the strength of the might be aware of the schemes of the devil. Don't give him a foothold here. He talks about stealing, gossip, slander, forgiveness. Later in chapter 5, he takes up the theme of walking once again, the everyday life of walking. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, 2, walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us. And then he goes on down to talk about in chapter 5, verse 15, chapter 5, verse 15, be careful how you walk, your day-to-day living, watch out. Not as unwise, but wise. Be careful to be wise, he says. What, do you, what does he mean then? As he says, making the best use of the time because what? The days are evil. That's all a sandwich for us. This is, this is what we're to digest about watching out for the schemes of the devil. The days are evil. So what is your territory, Good Shepherd Church? What is the field where the battle is being waged? What are, where are we to be concerned about the schemes of the devil? It's in the everyday, everyday, everyday opportunities of life. Paul is saying, do you want to seek God's will? Do you want to worship him with thanksgiving? Do you want to turn over everything to God in thanksgiving? Do you want to be thriving in the way you live? It's the everyday walk of the Christian life. Even in chapter 6, At the beginning of six, sorry, at the end of five, going into six, he tells wives to submit to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He addresses parents, particularly fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. He addresses children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He then gets to servants and masters, employers and employees. This is the territory, the day in and day out spheres of living. 
Now, why does the Apostle Paul underscore this territory? Because it's our tendency to let our guard down in the routine. My wife will be okay with this. My husband will be all right. My mom and dad, well, they're my mom and dad. Uh, my employer will certainly understand. Uh, my anger, that's not really anger. You say I have a short fuse. Well, I think my fuse is longer than you think I have. Right? I mean, it, it, it's the routines. It's the, the everydays. And it's our tendency to be deceived, to be enticed, allured away, to follow out the ways, you know, follow after the ways of Satan the deceiver, the liar, uh, the whole thing of vain imaginations, is Jesus Jesus? Is, he, is his cross sufficient for me? Is the empty tomb truly empty? Is, it, is, it, is his ascension where he has all authority there seated at the Father's right hand? Do I walk the walk in Christ? Do I live in him? Where is my faith? It's the day-to-day routines where we need to cast ourselves upon Jesus Christ. Are you doing that this evening? Is, is, that, is that the characteristic of your life? At the day-to-day, day-to-day, not tomorrow, today's walk, coming under Christ. Are you saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, you are the strength of my soul. You're the strength of my heart. Like the psalm says, right? My heart and my flesh may fail me, but you are my portion and the strength of my life. That's in Christ Jesus. So think carefully, consider carefully the lay of the field around you. We're praying every day in you know, prayers of the Spirit by the Word of God in His strength about the day-to-day. Secondly, your resources. Paul has this list now, the armor of God, as your resources. You're thinking about temptations. You're thinking about allurements, things with which you are faced. Look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. You see that repeated theme? Stand, stand, stand. Christian, your strength is endurance. In Christ Jesus, your strength is perseverance. Do the right thing and continue to stand. Lord, this is, this is my life. In you I have strength, and here I stand. He goes on at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fa- fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Look at verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. Well, there's the list. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, putting on the boots of of God's gospel peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, Praying at all times, praying with all prayer and supplication. What's going on here? Every aspect of your body is to be covered. Nothing vulnerable. Complete armor, head to foot. This means there's no optional pieces. It means there's protection for your thinking. Protection and guidance for your speaking. Protection and guidance concerning uh, your walking. To practice the truth. It's the protection to make use of the word of God. And notice at the top of the list is the belt of truth. Why would Paul put the belt of truth at the top? 
Don't, don't we need peace in times of temptations? He puts truth. He is implicitly saying, your resources begin with your heart, your life, your mind, your meditation, your words on truth. Satan wants to get you off that truth. Vain imaginations are about getting you off that truth. At the top of the list is that belt of truth. At the bottom of the list is prayer. Are you genuinely, genuinely, are you doing business with God in prayer about your temptations? Doing business with God about temptations in prayer. Truly praying with thanksgiving by the Spirit, according to the Word of God, asking for His sufficient strength. Now to close out this evening, the encouragement that we receive from the Apostle Paul is that the armor that he describes as our resources, the armor that he describes is the Lord's own issue. I can remember in the high school days, there would be another high school student who is a team manager. We might say, right, maybe some of us remember, we might say that he's a glorified water boy. He's the team manager. Doesn't matter. Volleyball team, baseball team, football team, team manager. He's issuing supplies. Jesus Christ is the one who is the governor, the Lord, the ruler, the redeemer, the friend, our savior. And it's his issue of his armor, his issue of his equipment. How do we know this? Think with me of Isaiah 59. Think with me of Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 begins with words you might know. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short. Remember how that finishes out? It cannot save. Are you thinking to yourself that the Lord's reach will only go so far? And Isaiah, the prophet, is saying, do not think that way. His reach is long. His reach is an everlasting reach. His arm is that sufficient arm to bring himself salvation. Isaiah will summarize in chapter 59 that there are transgressions that have multiplied with Israel and, those, and that, that, that sin that's multiplied is now brought about a chasm between God and man, between God and Israel, between God and Judah. The point of, of it all is that sins abound. Uh, the matters of temptations abound. Isaiah will say, Lord, you know our iniquities. And as Isaiah moves through that chapter, in chapter 59, it says that the Lord takes notice of these things. He takes notice of man's sin. He takes notice of man's weakness, man's temptations. He takes notice of man stumbling around in the darkness of his own darkened heart and his sin. It says the Lord saw it. It displeased him that there was no righteousness. He saw that there was no man. Isaiah 59 at verse 16. He wondered that there was no one to intercede, no go-between, no, no one to be in the gap, no one to stand right here with his people. So what does it say? Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. This is speaking of a savior. This is speaking of a rescuer. This is speaking of a deliverer. His own arm brought him salvation. And his righteousness upheld him. That's how he lived. He lived by righteousness. And he reflected that righteousness, 
that would indeed rightly serve the Lord himself, God Almighty. God's own righteousness would be sustained. Verse 17, he put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. He wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And according to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, uh, to the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives, and a redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. Jesus Christ has worn this equipment. It's his armament. This is, this is the, the armor that's been field tested. So what does this mean? This means live out that union that you have by faith in Christ. You stand in him. You pray in him. You get your heart and mind on the truth in him. And if you're like me, not all that disciplined with the mind. I'm talking about memory verses. I'm talking about, Lord, help me get my mind on the truth. Then maybe you need to put those verses and promises on a card and, you know, or have them right there on that, that opening page of your phone. You, you, you know, my point is, Christ is the one in whom we exercise faith, a man of faith, a woman of faith, by standing in the strength of Lord. We opened on that lesson from the chapter on providence regarding the Westminster Confession of Faith. Yes, God's own children have their manifold temptations, but don't forget how that paragraph opens up. He remains, speaking of God, he remains wise. He remains righteous. He remains gracious. He leads his children in his strength. And his strength, you see, that he imparts to us is that strength that is found in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that your holiness would overtake us in such ways that we would know that you are the Lord, the one fully uh, gifting us with the provision of your own spirit and the strength of your word and your truth and your promises. Father, we have spoken tonight about being in earnest with you to walk the walk and to go to you for strength when faced with temptation. We ask your covering over us. Christ is our life. Christ is our strength. And may we have Christ covering all the spirit uh, to walk out the Christian life as you have so called us. Be with us, we pray. We commit these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.